Hi everyone, Gareth here. Just to let you know that if you'd like to support the production of the Music Room podcast, you can. Just head to musicroompodcast.uk slash support or click the link in the show notes. Okay, on with the show. Hi, I'm Gareth, a composer for TV and an audio producer for podcasts like this. Like many others, I was lucky enough to have a positive music education. I'm extremely grateful that all that support led me to what I do today. For me, the music room was that place growing up where all the musos gathered like moths to a flame, a place to be with other creative-minded people. So let's go back there and spend some time in gratitude for all the people who've helped us get started. Welcome to the music room. This week in the music room. When I was listening to stuff when I was younger, it's like, how do they do that? And I'm still doing that now, <laughs> listening to things. How do, you know, it's the wonder of people's creativity, you know, and, and songwriting skills and production. I'm just still in awe of, of other people's work, you know, and think, how do they get that sound like that? Hello and welcome to the music room, the place where I chat with pro composers, songwriters and musicians about their work before going back in time to find out how they got started and who influenced them in their sliding doors moments. Guests also pass on the positive by leaving an item and a piece of advice in the music room for others to find. And over the past eight episodes, we've heard about some remarkable items and amazing advice. These guests are so wise. That's what experience does, I suppose. Anyway, do go back and listen to the other episodes or just dip into any that might interest you. Link is in the show notes. Today, you're going to hear from someone who's composed themes to the shows you will have watched at some point. I think it's fair to say that even if you don't know the name David Lowe, you'll recognise the BBC News theme, for instance. I was curious to find out how a composer gets into a situation where they're composing themes to all of these news shows. That question is well and truly answered. Anyway, first up is Music Stories. Music Room guest Kevin Sargent is just about to start on the new series of The Beaker Girls for CBBC. Kevin commented, I'm excited to get back into the Beaker Girls universe and support the surprisingly complex and nuanced situations that arise in the story. It's a great show that deals with some of the tricky aspects of growing up in an entertaining and engaging way. Important stuff. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Kevin. In other news, the US Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences has partnered with UK-based music content company Mercury Studios to launch a career development programme for black British musicians interested in composing for film. According to John Hazelton writing for Screen Daily, UK-based Ampass members Gary Yershon, Misan Sagai and Music Room guest Nanita Desai initiated the programme and said in a statement, This initiative seeks to correct an imbalance. In contrast to the major contributions black musicians are making to the music industry in the UK, their presence in the UK film industry is significantly lacking. Through this programme, we seek to build community amongst black artists in the UK by highlighting opportunities to bridge film and music careers. And there's the news. You know the theme to BBC News? David Lowe. The one show? David Lowe. Country File, David Lowe. Panorama, David Lowe. Grand Designs, David Lowe. Shall I stop there? Is that enough introduction? Oh, did I mention the idents for Santander, HSBC, British Airways and Barclays? No? David Lowe. 
David Lowe is an established, uh, very established composer, arranger and producer working primarily in television, radio, branding, idents and commercials, both in the UK and internationally. He's created music for a wide range of programs, including news, current affairs, factual, wildlife and entertainment shows. He's also composed for national radio and for special events such as the London 2012 Olympic Games. I don't know about you, but I was curious to find out how it all began for him. And hang around because later on, David will be leaving an item and a piece of advice and music room for you to find. If you're ready then, here we go. David Lowe, composer for TV, radio, branding, commercials, idents. Welcome to the music room. Hi, nice to be here, Gareth. It's brilliant. It's really good fun. Oh, fantastic. David, your frankly enormous list of credits shows a really eclectic mix, actually, from the BBC News theme and amongst many, many others, as well as the one show, Country File, Panorama, Grand Designs. What came first for you? And I suppose more relevant to our listeners, how has your career wound around so many different genres and programming? Um, I guess when I started out writing music and composing music, I suppose I was much more into the pop side of things rather than conservatoire classical training, you know. And uh, That marvellous uh, would you yeah. top three hits you had. Absolutely, yeah. So I, I pretty much taught myself really to, to play and I'm, I think my ambition really was to write pop songs and, I, you know, I just love pop music, you know. So that was my direction really and I suppose when I started doing stuff for TV, which was absolutely brilliant to get the chance to do it, I don't know, it's just that just different styles was the thing that you can't keep doing the same thing if you want to do lots of different shows, you know. So it was your kind of attitude from the outset that you wanted to do different genres? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I never really thought about it, to be honest, but I just thought <laughs> that's what you do, you know, just, just getting it. It seems to be a, a common conversation nowadays, doesn't it, that do you spend your time networking in a certain genre, like mm. documentary or kids, or do you try and do as many different styles as possible? In an ideal world, you know, it's whatever you feel most comfortable with them and yeah. what you like doing you know but um in the real world it's like a job yes i'll do it what is it <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, you want like Say. uh what do you want i like kids music all right I'll, I'll have a go at that you know so um yeah it's like the old that actor story can you ride a horse and they always go yeah and they say god i've got to i've got to go out and learn to ride a horse now you know yes it was just basically i i just said yes to everything uh, that came in and um, I'm still like, it's really hard to turn work down, you know, it's just in, in your instinct is just like, yes, I'll do it. And yeah, then um, yeah. whatever it is, just have a go and just come up with, well, you know, over the years, it's perfecting the production sound. And I mean, you, you, you know, when I was listening to stuff when I was younger, it's like, how do they do that? And I'm still doing that now. <laughs> I listen to things, how do, you know, it's the wonder of people's creativity you know and, and songwriting skills and production i'm just still in awe of of other people's work you know and think how do they get that sound like that and that was always a, a sort of thing for me at the beginning like how do i get my thing to sound like that you know so <laughs> you're always pushing to try and improve it all the time and chipping away and just yeah. gradually over the years and the days and the hours that you spend doing it you know you're improving slowly but surely and that saying yes to everything mm. is a really a freelancer yeah absolutely uh, state of mind as well isn't it yeah. what's the next gig absolutely i mean i've been pretty much freelance all my career really um well i mean definitely in music i don't think any of us are employed 
full time apart from maybe like games music writers mm. sometimes are aren't they but um we're all pretty much like freelance <laughs> what's yeah. the next job gonna be you know and, all out in the wild and also you, you you're quite <laughs> i mean i'm still quite anonymous really i mean you can get younger sort of production people might sort of i mean i've just done a thing for cash in the attic you know because i did the original version of that and um it was only because the head of the production company knew me from that that he said oh you, you must use david on it because he did the original but they haven't heard of me, you know, because or they they might have heard of me for <laughs> that, but they might not have associate me with doing the BBC News, you know, or yes, Country Files. Um, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. That was my original question, really, because you span those genres where a lot of composers don't. You know, they get known for documentary or yeah, entertainment yeah. or something else. You know, absolutely. Um, so I think you're you're quite a rarity in that you, you just go at everything versatile. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, and also, you know, snob is the, not the right word, really, but I just love doing it. I'm just happy to do everything. I'm, I wouldn't, you know, say, oh, no, I'm I'm above doing that. You know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, if they want it cheesy, I'll do it cheesy. You know, it's like, yeah. um, um, if variety. I, yeah, the thing, it's it? variety, yeah. really. And it's all about the idea and, and just what you imagine the audience is going to feel when they hear it, you know, and, and doing something yeah. that people hopefully going to like. I mean, my sort of original idea or, or goal was um you know obviously well, I wanted to write pop songs you know and I wanted to get a song in the charts like like we all do when I was younger and I was working in tv at the time at the BBC as a sound man on the road with a furry mic and a pair of headphones at four in the morning outside a sort of factory <laughs> with freezing cold waiting for striking pickets to come out you know and I'd be dreaming about I'm gonna I want to be a musician you know and I'm I want to write pop songs and stuff. And I was doing that in my spare time. And then um, a guy at the BBC one day said, um, oh, you do music, don't you? I need, a th I need a theme tune for our local news show, you know. And ah. um, it was just a casual chat in the bar, actually, after work, you know, like like you do. Yeah. And I just said, oh, wow, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have a go, you know. So um, I, I toddled off and, and put something together and played it to him and he just said oh yeah i quite like that that's all right yeah and uh, he played it to that, the powers that be and of course they're all like yeah. journalists or whatever they are they go, well, it sounds all right <laughs> it sounds like a bit of music yeah. uh well yeah and so you know i got that opportunity and i thought that's it you know for me that was like that was your way in that's my way in and my my sort of philosophy or the, or the thing was I'm, i just want to it's a way of actually writing pop songs that, that on the that will get played on on tv and my sort of thing is i was going to come up with something that hopefully people are going to that fits the show but also in the old familiar way of of theme tunes of yesteryear they're always like familiar and warm and um people got to love them you know and they're getting part of of your daily thing and i thought that's what i want to do you know write tunes yeah. that people are going to like and people want they might actually want to go out and buy you never know so yeah uh, and you've taken that philosophy i mean you mentioned cash in the attic there but all those other shows plus things like the hsbc idents the british airways barclays i mean you've taken that philosophy and given that kind of warm feeling to other brands yeah in a way my my style uh, isn't so much it's the genre of music but I suppose mm. within each genre I've, I come I try and or I, I do somehow subconsciously project this 
that that sort of thing you know because that's my my goal with everything that i do and um start from the same place every time in a way you're just working with different flavors and different textures but but the overall emotional impact or what you want it to achieve with the viewer is the same goal but um i mean the hardest thing that i've um because i'm i'm that sort of person anyway i'm you know warm and and hopefully friendly and that's you know you want to it's music is is me in a way so um the hardest thing that i've always found that to do is when people say can you do something edgy can you do something a bit dark you know and uh <laughs> edgy and um and so you know, i've done stuff and they've gone oh you know can you make it a little bit edgy or uh, not so not so nice in a way and uh, that was wasn't in my nature to do that so that was that was quite interesting to tr to sort of to, to get more like that you know and my, my brain isn't working in that area yeah so playing to your strengths yeah so yeah. um being edgy was was always tricky and in a way with the record would you go to bed with me it, it, it was borderline cheesy you know it was the the right on the edge of edgy and some of the vocal samples that that I didn't use wouldn't have worked at all because yeah. um, they were just too like, would you go to bed with me? You know, there were a few, it was like a little montage of people going, would you go to bed with me for a, for a documentary? Um, it was a sort of montage of oh, yeah. a, a study that they'd done in Texas of uh, students going to bars and asking that question to girls oh, and guys. Yeah. And then guys asked it to the girls, see what the girls reaction is and the girls, did the same and seeing what the reaction was. It's quite a famous Texas study in the seventies or eighties, I think it was. And um, this documentary was just just uh, illustrating that with a little montage of people going, "Would you go to bed with me? Would you go to bed with me?" And then this one girl that did it was, ah, you know, the one that ended up doing it was actually yeah. a production manager on on the show. She was an actress by mm. trade, but um, she also, you know, was the production manager uh on that program and they must have just asked people can you just say it can you just say it you know and um right. the way she said it was just so like perfectly right you know and that gave it that sort of edge which um the others wouldn't have done and also the chords that i used in it i started off with like major chords under the trumpet uh, riff and um when I put it together, it just sounded too nice, you know. And uh, so then I, I just literally <laughs> changed it to minor chords. And the difference was really good. It just tipped it over that edgy edge. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to that. Okay. Um, so people can have a listen. And I guarantee you listeners that you will, as soon as you hear it, you will know it. <laughs> it's just one of those songs, isn't it? Fantastic. So, I mean, for a career as full as yours, you must have had some funny moments uh there have been some yeah the, you, you get your disasters yeah um <laughs> we did point. we did one job for itv actually and it was the forerunner to x factor sort of thing and it was basically uh you could audition to get into emmerdale farm and they had two <laughs> yeah they had two parts wow. available and so they just said you know the prize if you get through the whole thing is to get to to be in Emmerdale Farm, you know, and anybody could audition for it. And that was the sort of format. I remember that, yeah. And so they wanted a theme tune that was um, really like 
ah, you know, em emotional and we're going to get there. And it's all full of all that drive and confidence and all that. And they wanted vocals in it as well, you know, singing vocals. So we came up with this idea of shine as the word that we were, you know, you're going to shine. So we go, it was going shine and da 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 da. And we had a hi hat going. Ch -ch -ch. So every time she went shine, it went shite. <laughs> shite. <laughs> so when they played it to the, uh, we, I mean, I completely just not noticed at all, you know, and um, until and nobody had noticed until they oh. played it to the uh, the ITV producer, and she said. Is she singing shite? <laughs> it's like, oops, uh, maybe not. Uh, yeah, in fact, we, had to do, we did another version just to demonstrate, you know, that it wasn't shite, it was shine. And then we got this thing going, shite! <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so there have been a few, a few tricky moments like that. Um, also, you get your moments when, um, I suppose, which we've all had, when you lose everything that you've done. And... Um, Yes, yeah, the old which, backup situation. Which is very horrible. And uh, once I was presenting this job, in fact, it was, I think it was Santander or something or whatever. And um, the computer, my, my son had tipped a glass of water all over my computer and completely crashed it the day before. Oh, and um, I got a new Mac, transferred everything over, spent all night doing all that and um, got it working the next morning, back up to scratch for the presentation. And I was sitting there and I got it all going. And then I kept putting my hand on the mouse to make it work. And the mouse was just moving around and not doing it. It was like, oh no, it's not working, you know. And um, they were all chatting away. We just, they just all come in ready to sort of, and I was just setting it all up. And I just kept, I was like, oh no, this isn't working. <laughs> and the production assistant was like, are you okay? You know, and, um, and so she started to notice that things were going wrong. And, and luckily it was just, Suddenly I had this brainwave. I've got um, a wireless mouse in my, my bag and um, it was still switched on, you know, and, and basically, so that was, kind that of was overriding kind of the, the mouse that I was yeah. using. Oh, <laughs> was like, ah. so simple. So simple. Um, but, yeah. you know, so moments like that, you get quite a lot yeah. of those as well. As well You're as saying your session disappearing. I had a, an episode I was doing once and it was such a schoolboy error where I'd basically quantized the whole episode instead of one little uh, wow. in and out that I'd, that I'd done. Yeah. And I didn't notice until about an hour later when I'd done a load more. Yeah. And that was a little bit heartbreaking because oh. <laughs> I kind of oh, no. basically lost an hour's work because I had to go back to a previous version. Yeah. Um, wow. That, yeah, no, that it's horrible. horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Yeah. But we are beholden to our technology, aren't absolutely. we? Absolutely. But um, I mean, the thing is, it's technology has changed so much. I mean, I suppose that I've been lucky in a way to have come through the old technology and started off with nothing really, just with a, uh, had the Juno 6 seat, you know, as a, my first synthesizer, which got me into it. And with no MIDI or anything else, just had that, you know, so. Happy days, eh? Yeah, you know, <laughs> so you, you, you learnt in those you know that time to be very minimal and um yeah because you didn't have a lot of sound you know so it was mm. trying to get the sound with the minimal stuff that you got there's a definitely a lesson in there as well uh, absolutely not to throw just because you've got all these 
massive sample packs, mm. not to throw everything in. Yeah. But speaking of how you started out, mm. shall we go back in time and explore that? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. David Lowe, we are now back in time. Wow, here we are. Gosh, oh, it all looks different. Same wallpaper. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> yeah. David, what's your earliest memory of music? At home, we had one of those... Um, a dance set, not it wasn't a dance set, but it was a similar thing with a just a, a record deck with a speaker attached to it. And um, my dad had all these records and things like like they do. Also, a couple of kids' records like the the Jelly Babies, do 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 do, and Telstar. I think we had that and um, ah. on a on a little vinyl single. You know that coming out the speaker was probably my my earliest memory of, of a bit of music that almost scared me in a way. It was like those noises at the beginning, <laughs> satellite noises and oh, stuff. Wow. I suppose that, that was the first bit of music I heard that, and the sound of it coming out of that speaker, you know, that sort of slightly distorted analogy feel, it definitely evoked, it was a bit scary. And, that, and, and, and the effect it had on me was, was very memorable, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, those were the earliest things. And then we had a piano at home. I used to doodle around on that. And I had, had piano lessons when I was about seven. And um, this very fusty old piano teacher with halitosis, you know, and that's, that's all I can remember, <laughs> basically, in this darkened room with the curtains drawn. And uh, David, well, you know. <laughs> and um, so that put me off, actually, learning it. And also, I could never get my head round, you know, the score and, and reading the dots and stuff because I somehow still wanted to get straight to the music, you know, and so, so as soon as I'd learned what it did, I just didn't bother with the notes. I thought, oh, that does that, doesn't it? So rushing to get to the actual tune rather than sort of reading it through the music yeah. page. So that, that stopped after a while. And then it wasn't really till... Um, Later on in my teens, really, my, my dad was always into organ music. <laughs> and he had this church organ record, which was amazing. And he, he liked the sort of electronic organ music and stuff like that. And so he got rid of the piano eventually and bought this Lowry organ with two manuals. So you play the bass pedals with your feet and then chords with your left hand and the tune with your right hand and it was brand new and it had all these sparkly lights on you know and like oh wow this is good <laughs> <laughs> and you had that in your house yeah so we got yeah you know it was wow. just a little yeah. thing you know you could buy and um it wasn't a church it was like a, you know like a hammond organ type thing like a yeah yeah organ. now i had a friend who yeah. had something similar but i when i went round to his house yeah. I was always amazed by this thing. Yeah, this machine. It's not. Wow, it was incredible. I mean, they were that's, they were uh, pretty that's new. Commitment. They were pretty new at the time, <laughs> you know. And um, there was a shop in our local town, you know, and they sold them. And um, I had lessons on that, you know, with a guy called Brian. Brian Hazelby used to come round <laughs> on a Saturday and give us lessons. Is that how he? <laughs> Hello. No, actually, he was quite cool. <laughs> he was good, Brian. I, I, I used to look at. I used to look up to Brian because he was just when he sat down and played it, and he, oh, what he could do it was just incredible, you know. And um, 
he also did a sort of spot at this cabaret theater where we near where we lived that we'd go and see him occasionally so i, I was a bit starstruck as well you know so brian's coming around <laughs> and uh, so in many ways he he would have been your first kind of inspirational in a way because he figure, basically maybe? um it was a completely different approach to you know the the normal piano lesson training mm. and it's, I can't, it's it was something like oh you got chords you know and it, and it was about chords in your left hand and playing the melody with your right hand and, and it, i suddenly thought of chords and melody oh that's the thing isn't it that's how you come up with tunes and stuff and uh so it opened my eyes to um and also the bass line was separate as well because you're doing that with your foot so you really get a sort of much more of an idea of bass chords melody and um you're kind of learning orchestration in a way yeah so yeah um and you know different chords like sevens and all the chords we know you know and so that really sort mm. of opened my eyes to that and and got me more back into it again and, and at the same time my dad was into s synthesizer music as well and he bought tamita i don't know if you've heard of tamita ah, yes snowflakes are dancing you know and i was absolutely we were both totally transfixed by this music and i was in particular and and um, on the back it had a, a of the album it had a list of all of the synthesizers that he'd used and the bowed ring modulators and and um <laughs> even tied clockworks you know and stuff like that and we used to sit about you know look, oh, look at this wow isn't this amazing and so that was really inspiring it sort of you know it was a sort of wow a world out there and the music really affected me as well you know and i think it pro yeah. probably not because of the electronic bit but it was debussy in the end and listening to the real thing is is just as good mm -hmm. musically emotionally for me but that was my introduction to it you know so it was a combination of the emotional hit of the music and the synthesizers it was really good and so that was that was super inspiring and that was at the time really when electronic music was coming like Jean-Michel Jarre and Van and then Vangelis of course you know he was massive inspiration for me and so was, was it a, a real gateway to electronic music for you then? oh totally yeah I think it was really it was what really fired me up you know um, yeah. imagination wise was was um, that sound you don't just have to sit in a, a room trying to learn the piano with someone who absolutely yeah <laughs> and, and, and one at one point he, he actually did bring this little synthesizer around it was a i think it was a korg and it was like a little uh desktop thing we could borrowed it for the weekend and, and it was like wow <laughs> i was just blown away by the sounds you could get out of it so that really was you know the opener for me and then we used to hang around the music shops in Brum on a on a Saturday with my mate looking at all the new stuff coming out and um you know oh, listen to the strings on that <laughs> it was all about the the strings for me were like wow that's just amazing you know so that that became a regular thing as well so you went from being in love with electronic music mm. and synthesizers where does the progression go to composing and coming up with stuff were you writing pop songs and and things like that well eventually i got engaged actually to the love of my life at that point and then she dumped me and gave me the engagement ring back <laughs> and oh, so dear. i had a bit of money and uh we went to this music fair in in birmingham 
and the rolling stand was there and sitting on this rolling stand was this juno six you know that you could have a go at and put your headphones i'm, on. I'm hearing like the angelic voice yeah the, and so i the just halo around you whoa, i put my headphones on <laughs> hands on the keys whoa you know it was just like uh and at the point i was listening to john and van gelis at the time as well i think that that was one album short stories um right. was I just thought I just want to that's I want to be that I want to make music like that you yeah. know I just loved it it was amazing and I didn't realize till recently that it was all pretty much improvised in a way it only took them like a couple of weeks to do the whole thing and uh, oh, wow. I still listen to it now and think how did they do it it's just because it's not in time a lot of it it's it's yeah. it's really amazing you know to for me to listen to still and his voice was you know I just thought oh, I want to be like that ah. And so hitting, you know, playing that Junior Six and listening to those sounds, thinking that, that's the sound. And uh, my mate said, why don't you just buy it? And so I just thought, well, yeah, I could, couldn't I? <laughs> so I did, you know, and um, he actually picked up, I remember him bringing it round. I, I was opening the box and got it out. It's like, whoa. And that literally was, from that moment on, all I've ever done pretty much every day, apart from being on holidays, is just write music, you know. So that was wow. the start of the pathway there. And then fast forward to your conversation in the bar at the, was it the BBC you were working at? Uh, BBC, yeah, because my other sort of passion in life, career-wise, was wanting to work in TV or radio at all for, and for the BBC. You know, I was at that point, you know, the BBC was just all there was in British broadcasting, apart from my, it was BBC and ITV, you know, it was the sort of golden era of the BBC in a way. And I just thought, how do you get a job at the BBC? I want to do that. Yeah, I hadn't got a clue what, what I wanted to do at the BBC. And I remember going to, there was another sort of careers fair at our local town hall, and there was a BBC stand there, you know, and I, I gingerly walked, I was only about 16 at the time. Walked up and said, I want a job at the BBC. <laughs> and the guy was a bit, well, what do you want to do? Um, there's thousands of jobs at the BBC. You've got to work out what you want to do. So I felt a little bit embarrassed. and walked, But he gave me this whole sheath of, of jobs at the BBC. And I was like, wow. And fortunately, a couple of years later, we had this career talk at, uh, at school. By, in fact, just a teacher at school had done some work experience at local BBC local radio. And he gave us a talk about working at the BBC, lo and behold. And so afterwards, I said, that's what I want to do. And um, he said, well, as it happens, they, they have a show where young people your age, they get them in to help out. It was, it was a young people's show and they wanted it made by local young people, you know. So he took me down to his office after that talk, phoned the guy up there and then, and he said, yeah, send him in on Saturday. <laughs> so, and it was at Pebble Mill in Birmingham, which was this fantastic broadcasting centre, you know, and they did yeah. TV shows and they'd go past the sort of scenery store and there'd be Daleks in there and stuff. And they all creatures, great and small sets, you know, and they did a live lunchtime chat show every day. So you'd walk in and they'd be... Pebble Mill at one. Yeah, you know. And so I went along on that Saturday and just thought, this is where I want to be, you know. It's not to be underestimated yeah. how big that show was as well. It was huge. That, it yeah. was enormous. Yeah. Absolutely. At the time, it was a staple of TV then, wasn't it? But, yeah, um, it was. It was. But, you know, fortunately, I got, I got into radio, you know, and I loved it so much. And I think my enthusiasm must have just sort of won through because I end, ended up pretty much producing the whole show on a Sunday. 
and it was a live two-hour show and we'd have like a, a posse of guys you know coming in like friend i'd just get friends to come and say do you want to quick do a bit on our show you know it was amazing and then i that's when i sort of got into part of it was actually driving the show they call it so you've got the the panel with all the, your tapes and your jingles and and you you know playing the songs in on grams in those days on turntables mm. you'd have to cue them up and then you just sit there and they'd have a presenter in the studio and i'd be putting the whole show together with him just doing the presenting you know so i just learned all about broadcasting and sound editing and uh, timing and radio production and so that really was a massive education for me and i just loved every minute of it and um I started making jingles as well, started experimenting with overdubbing with sound on sound and sort of adding reverb and all that stuff. It's fascinating that, coming from different angles into yeah. the composing so it was two. It was almost like two directions and then yeah. they converged at that point, in that moment in the bar, you know, with that guy. Yeah. It converged <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Yes, that Brilliant. is it. It was a perfect combination of working in TV and or whatever broadcasting and writing music and for ages i just thought i I worked in telly but i did i wrote music that was my job you know and and somebody said oh you're a music composer aren't you and i said am i i don't know i I never really i didn't think of myself as a it's such a wide term isn't it yeah when you say composer but it doesn't describe anything really it doesn't no. describe whether you're a composer for tv or film or theater or classical or you know concerts or Hmm. And it also has a, a bit of a ring of uh, composer sounds like somebody that sits with a score yeah, and, and writes paper. it out, and you know, <laughs> and which, which some the, people still do. Which some yeah. people do. Yeah. And um, when people say, "Oh, you, how do you write music if you can't read music on the page and stuff?" They mm. think writing music is actually writing it on the page. But yeah. so I suppose it's music creators more of a. Uh, Yes, that's the right it's a much term, better I suppose. term. Yes. Uh, yeah. So it was a really, it was the combination of, of both disciplines in a way that worked yeah. really well and still does because I understood the mentality of people in TV and how things need to be and they need a fade on the end of something. And there's a lot of technicalities involved in it, you know. And um, they said, oh, we need a bit of music to get from that junction to, to that bit there. And we need to be able to pre fade it. Um, a certain length and comes out there and you know and yeah. so you sort of understand the technicalities of what they need and then interpret that and try and make something that sound musically good as well that the, that the audience are going to enjoy you know so yeah. that's the sort of um, still the pleasure of it for me yeah David I'm asking each guest to donate an item and a piece Great. of advice to the music room for others to find Ah, now I listened to some of the uh, the other ones. There was a pencil, was the one. Wasn't there it? was a pencil, that, yes, that Daisy Shoots. Nice. Yeah, well, that was really the good. simplicity of it. That was really yeah. Good so I was thinking of something simple, and I actually, well, I, I thought of a blindfold actually. Um, Interesting, because when I started, obviously before today's technology, you'd never actually look at a screen. You'd always be listening, you know, yeah. and. Um, it was always about what it sounded like and there were no screens involved at all. The only screens that you had were like tiny little LCD screen that used to f- fade so much that you'd have to squint like, <laughs> really close to, to sort of look at it. 
it's, and you get so used to staring at the screen all the time. Yeah. And I think you, you probably miss something in a way just while you're looking and listening. So you need to keep thinking, stop looking for a minute or close your eyes or turn around yeah. or step away from the desk and step to another part of the room and, and just listen. And then you get more of an idea of the overall impact of the music rather than when you're looking at it, you're always sort of somehow yes. still looking at, oh, there's that. Looking at the meters rather than using your ears, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah. Um, I love that. That's I think, brilliant. you know, a blindfold, put it on, <laughs> play <laughs> yeah. the track, yeah. and then see if there's anything in it that sounds different or, you know, that you didn't notice because you're looking too much. That's fantastic. So, yeah. Blindfold goes into the music room. And Brilliant. what piece of advice would you like to Well, I'd say the same people? thing. I'd say following on from that, I'd say, you know, just occasionally stop looking and, and just make yourself listen and mm. take it into into another room and listen and or listening in your car, which we probably will anyway. Step yeah. away from your environment and listen to it in a different situation. Or even just, you know, when you're in the studio, step away from the desk and just stand at the other end of the room. And and I think getting different perspectives like that are really helpful. That's fantastic. And thank you so much for your perspective. No problem at all. Enjoyed it. Uh, but for now, David Lowe, thank you for joining me in the music room. It was a pleasure.